Phone rings, door chimes, in comes drama. Hey, lovely listeners, it's Dylan with a quick message before our chat with the icon, Jennifer Samard. Be sure to give our podcast a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so we can spread the good drama. And of course, a kind review is something we're always grateful for. This episode ahead is funny and touching, just like Jen Samard. We even chat about her covering Joanne and company recorded long before it even happened. We hope you love and also consider supporting our Patreon linked in the bio below. That's bonus episodes, IG close friends access, and more. Okay, bye. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take the shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got numb? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, how are you on this Sunday morning? I know you had a fun night last night. I did have a fun night, but let me tell you, I got like eight and a half hours of sleep. Which we all know you need. I need, I need, I need. I didn't wake up hungover, which is amazing. I exercised. I had breakfast. I've had two cups of coffee. I'm bragging right now because I'm so proud of myself. I'm really, really gagged. And here You're we are doing Fiona a podcast. Fiona Morning Person and Shrek the Musical vibes all of a sudden. <laughs> We, you have Shrek the Musical on the brain for a reason, but we'll get to it in a second. Um, but no, I'm so good. I went last night with my friend Elspeth to see Bitch Sesh Live, the Casey Wilson Housewives Chatter podcast. And it was so freaking funny. I have like never laughed harder in my life. I'm, I'm not even kidding. It was, that makes it was me amazing. so happy. A live podcast. What a concept. I know. I had that thought. I was like, I listen to this for free every week and now I'm paying like however much money to see it in person. But they really... They had special guests. They read poems. They did line readings from famous scenes from from the wives. And, I, wow. you know, at one point, everyone shouted in unison various lyrics from, like, housewives songs and different quotes, like, please don't let it be about Tom, things like that. And I thought, these are my people. This this wow. is where I belong. This is really it. And, of course, it was at Town Hall, so I was having Jinx and Dela flashbacks. But I famously can't remember a single thing that that show was about other than them saving Christmas. But yes. anyway. Dylan, how are you? How are you doing? I am doing well. I've had quite the adventurous weekend myself. Not nearly as exciting as you, but lots of drag in my life lately. I did a drag ride at this cycling studio in Columbus yesterday, and it was amazing. The queens performed during it. Like the whole concept was like, if you're having fun, you're forgetting that you're working out type thing. And so we were tipping the queens while riding. It was really fun. That sounds super unique. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a new thing. I could imagine it being very popular for like bachelorette parties and like corporate events and things like that. Yeah. Oh my God. This is, this is going to be your birthday party, isn't it? I I don't think I would make my friends work out for my birthday. (laughs) That is kind of cruel. Also being over Um, 25, which is, you know, undisclosed how much over 25 I am. I would never make my friends do anything for my birthday at this point anymore. Oh, that's grown. That's a very like grown mm-hmm. mindset. But have. you know, sometimes your friends do something for you when you're turning 35. Oh, okay. We're on the topic of birthdays here. How, yes. how thematic. And our guest today is in a show about a birthday. Wow. 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 I, I just got the chills. I'm not going to lie. Yes. I'm not going to Vignettes surrounding a birthday? Perhaps. Oh my God. I'm going to bring them in. Please. This is a gag. I'm gagged. Oh my God. 
Our guest today is a Tony Award, four-time Drama Desk Award, three-time Drama League Award, and Lucille Lortel Award nominee, who currently plays the role of Sarah in the Broadway revival of Company. She made a name for herself as a fearless musical comedian, stealing the show in disaster as the gambling nun Sister Mary Downey. She played the adult women roles in Mean Girls on Broadway, Ernestina in the glorious revival of Hello, Dolly, appeared in the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee opposite Mo Rocca, and the companies of Sister Act and Shrek the Musical. She portrayed Miss Hannigan and Annie at the Muni and is starred in the original companies of Forbidden Broadway, SVU, The Thing About Men, and I Love You, You're Perfect, Now Change. Film credits include The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, Wish You Were Dead, Sisters, and Ray Romano's upcoming directing debut. You'll recognize her from TV as well, including Girl Girls 5 Eva, The Good Wife, Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, The King of Queens, and Younger. She also has some experience behind the podcast mic, having recorded her own pods, Killing It on Broadway with Jessica Vosk, and formerly hosting The Fabulous Invalid. Please welcome to drama, Jennifer, Jennifer Smart! Hi, Connor. Hi, Dylan. And hearing my CV and or resume, whatever you'd like to call it, I should retire. I'm, I'm done. That's enough. I'm tired. <laughs> it's very British of you to call it a CV. Isn't it? It makes me sound oh, yes. smarter than I am. That's why I like to, <laughs> I do that sort of, I, the first time I heard that, I guess it was around 2013. I'd never heard it before. And I do say it since then because it, it does sound like something intelligent people say. Oh, absolutely. And I think some people don't even know what it means. Cur curriculum vitae. Wow! I need to come out and right? say I don't know what it means. I think I'm she gave out. us the Latin, um, the Latin root. Am I wrong? Let's look it up. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's curriculum uh, vitae, the V I T A E. I'm sure you'll get tons of yeah. listeners saying her pronunciation was shit. Are we allowed to swear on this or no? <laughs> we do. Oh, thank God. Yes. Fuck yes. <laughs> yes. They're flooding the inbox already. Um, <laughs> when you were a hostess of multiple podcasts. Mm -hmm which was yes. mentioned on the CV. Would you have a lot of listener <laughs> feedback? Now, I was not the producer mm -hmm. of The Fabulous Invalid, but my friends, uh, Jamie Dumont, that was his brainchild, mm -hmm. and Rob Russo, good friends. And I think Jamie did most of the uh, that sort of thing. And I, I believe the answer is yes, but I don't have firsthand knowledge of that. Regarding Killing It on Broadway, Jessica and I did get feedback and by and large, it was always so respectfully mm -hmm. done, which we really appreciated, you know, and we never really had a, a problem as far as I know. Yeah. Well, you were very research-based. I really, I'm a true crime person myself. Mm. And so I obviously loved that podcast. And I loved how much you would cite your sources and how like really respectful you were about each of the cases that were covered. Oh, thank you. You know, it's some, um, it's something we took pretty seriously because you are talking about the worst day of someone's life and the life of their loved ones. So how do you discuss that without being inappropriate? I mean, it's really, it's sent, it's really hard. Yeah. You know, and that was number one. Number two is you learn from the experts and your predecessors. And what I had learned is you should always cite sources because we don't want to be plagiarizers or anything like that. Yeah. But it was really something that we uh, dove into during the pandemic because there weren't a lot of things happening. And uh, <laughs> I'm really proud of us for what we created. You know, TBD, as you know, we're all back to our lives and yeah. and busy with uh, full-fledged careers. Thank goodness. There was a moment there where who knew if we'd ever have this back, but mm -hmm. thank you, science. I know. Yes. Thank you, science. I always say this. I go, science is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, I have to say, mm -hmm. we were talking about this right before we recorded. You are giving full Drew Barrymore 
in the face. Mm. And as Dylan commented, Farrah Fawcett with the hair. And so <laughs> I wasn't ready for this this supermodel moment this morning, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Well, Drew Barrymore, I do get that all the time, which is oh, yeah. certainly a compliment to me. And I hope it's a compliment to Ms. Barrymore. I actually met her at Mean Girls. She came to see the show. And prior to me going blonde again, uh, we did ha- when we had the same hair color, it was pretty <laughs> remarkable. I-, I think I should play old Drew in the, yeah. like Drew's grandmother. Or if they do a, a story of her life, let me be mature like like young Fiona, mm-hmm. uh, teenage Fiona, and old Fiona. That's how Sutton introduced herself, by the way, at the first rehearsal. All the little girls just, young Fiona, teen Fiona. She just went, <laughs> old Fiona. And so <laughs> I'll be old Drew. Oh, I was just going to say, I can see it now. I know what this musical is going to be like. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a frame story and you're present day Drew hosting the Drew Barrymore show. Yes. And it's kind of like greatest hits. We're seeing her past. We're seeing the present, you know, the, the middle Drew has like kind of like the, some of the troubles, like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's all there. Her life story is so amazing. And I think this is going to be your Tony award. <laughs> uh, but about the Farrah Fawcett hair, let me tell you, it's all there. It's all mm. due to the pin curls that we have at night. And here's a little uh, insider tip. Bangs are not mm. your friends when it comes to pin curls. You want a long layer uh, and the long layers, long layers, and it comes out beautiful the next morning. So it is beautiful. It, it is. It's like yeah. those old Thank commercials you. on TV about those roller sets, the late mm-hmm. night commercials. Well, this is way before your time, but I would be called a Breck oh. girl. That's what they call it back in the day. I yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. And and you do sport a tight updo in company. Yes, we have a wonderful creative team. And Bunny Christie is not only the set designer, but she's also the costume designer. And this is music to a woman's ears. From the first day I met her, she said to me, paraphrased, Jennifer, every woman knows her body better than anyone. What shapes do you think you look best in? And I about fell on the floor. And the collaboration continued through the wig. And I said, um, you know, I'd love a bang because then you don't have to worry about people seeing the microphone Mm -hmm. on your forehead. And I said, I'd love a ponytail because I am doing a lot of uh, athletic things. And I think Sarah's fun. And I said, in the fight, it would be fun. It's fun to play with a ponytail because we hadn't said anything, but maybe Christopher could pull it. I mean, Mm -hmm. hair is funny if it's done, (laughs) you know, like it's an opportunity. So she was like, yeah, let's do it. So that's what we did. And I love my wig. I love it, love it, love it. It's amazing. Have you ever not worn a wig in a show? I think this could be interesting for mm-hmm. listeners who don't realize that the hair work is that good with these amazing designers that mm-hmm. most time you're seeing a woman on stage and maybe a man. Yeah. They're usually wearing a wig. Yeah. I have worn my own hair. Uh, you mentioned I Love Your Perfect Now Change, which I did for many years. And that was all us. And so um, you'd have these little um, toupee clips, they call them. They look like, you know, like little teeth, teeth clips and you snap mm-hmm. them in. The difficult thing about that is in a long run, you start to get bald spots where oh. the clips go in. So you have to, you have to Ooh. switch sides, you know, uh, but it's much easier to have a wig, to be honest. It's much, much easier. Oh, I can imagine. Connor was trying on a wig last night. We're going on a trip next weekend to upstate New York and we're doing like a you are who you stand, like you are who you love type mm-hmm. night. We do theme nights right. and what Connor's character has a wig and he put it on and he looked at me and he said, I don't know what happens to me when I put on a wig, but I love it. It's yeah. powerful. Oh, it is powerful. And you get to be someone else for a second and life's so hard. Mm-hmm. It's fun to escape and, and see yourself different ways. And it's just, it's just, it's just hair. Ain't no big thing. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so true. We, I have so many questions about company and I love you. You're perfect now change. And 
Shrek. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. But before we dive in, yeah. I am curious, Jen, are you well? I am well. Thank the Lord. You know, what everyone globally has been through is remarkable. And the last time this happened, none of us were alive to see it. Mm-hmm. So to literally live through a pandemic is really something to be uh, humble about because so many people mm-hmm. lost their lives and it's not over yet. You know, I was thinking the other day, PTSD in its very nature is post-traumatic stress disorder. And I've sort of recoined it perpetual traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> we haven't really had time to process it as though it's in the past because it is still here. And and that that's what they thought would happen. You know, it was probably, I think the flu was circled for about three to four years, you know, a hundred years ago. So everyone keeps staying safe, but I'm fine. The Omicron variant was really hard for my community, as you might imagine, especially, you know, right after we opened and so many shows shuttered. That's devastating, but company was not one of them. And this is not a slam on other shows. Absolutely not. But I will say I am grateful for my producers for spending money to test us every single day and to do PCR tests every day and not just acute testing and catching it essentially before you're contagious. That's what the testing that we implemented did. So I think that's one of the reasons we were able to weather the storm. So all props to them, kudos to them for putting our health and safety at the forefront and ultimately the ability to weather the storm financially. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just lucky to be in that position. As I said, it's important. I don't want to shame any other show. I think everyone, every show tried their gosh darndest, to be honest, but everyone was also in a different point in their run. And, you know, so that's something to consider too. So we, we were just lucky. Oh my gosh. I know I I was following Matt Doyle on Instagram, his stories Mm -hmm. about like, being in hotels and being tested every day and he was always getting yeah. updates and I thought I was stressed watching his stories mm-hmm. so I couldn't imagine going as a performer working backstage front of house yeah. anything in the theater trying to be as safe as possible when like you could still get it at any time I mean I yeah. cannot imagine that stress I mean I was back home in Ohio for the holidays and I was in quarantine, you know, so like I was lucky that I could just like safely be at home. But you guys really during the holiday season, one of the Mm -hmm. what's supposed to be one of the most wonderful times of the year, Mm -hmm. Omicron hits then you guys are just trying to bring joy to people Mm -hmm. on stage and I cannot imagine. So kudos to you all. I mean, I give yeah. everyone so much credit. Well, thank you for that. And also, it's one reason why I do think people should feel safe coming to the theater because no mm-hmm. one takes it as seriously as we do. So it's actually much safer than <laughs> even walking into a local coffee, you know, a coffee shop or whatever. I'm not going to name anything by name and get <laughs> drama sued, uh, me individually. Thank you. We it. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, um, it's really truly remarkable how safe it is. And and also what you don't know, this is a little backstage stuff, is we all have KN, KN94 masks or 95 masks. And if we have a pocket in our costume, that, that mask is likely in our pocket. Or sometimes uh-huh. it's in my bra. If I can't put it in a pocket, if I'm in a, you know, in a situation where that doesn't happen. And I'm telling you, the second I hit the wing, that thing goes on. Mm. I'll just tell you, when you see me in the fight with Christopher, that mask is in my bra. I don't have it in my back pocket for fear it's going to fall out. Yeah. Because it's so physical. But yeah, I have, a, I have a little mascot mask the entire fight. Over my left tata, <laughs> and those 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 tatas are there. The girls are there. They're pushed up. They're there. They're there. They're like this is our Broadway show too, Jen. 
It, it is. You're the, and we're the only reason you're here. Let's face it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, speaking of company, you are absolutely hysterical. You see all the whole show. Oh, well, to the first thing, thank you for the compliment. And I, I'm taking no further questions at this time <laughs> regarding the second, but, uh, but thank I don't you. Know if I plead the fifth. I don't know if it's because like the way the set is built, it feels like you're in you know, a nostalgic sitcom vibe. Like it feels like a set, but you are giving like Lucille Ball, you're giving Mary Tyler Moore, you're giving physical comedy of like Will and Grace. Like seriously, it feels like a star turn and it is, but it's like, it's such a gag. I, I, when I saw company the first time I was like, they're all giving everything. This is unbelievable. And then I saw it again and I was like, after the pandemic, well, post post quarantine, I should say. I'm like, Mm -hmm. there's even better. So you guys are super supernovas. Yeah. Thank you for saying all of that. Uh, I'm going to go in order. Um, <laughs> sitcoms, a sitcom life has always been my dream, the secondary dream beyond Broadway. So wow. this really is in my wheelhouse. And so t- I'm sure you have a ton of producers from sitcoms listening to this. So give me a call. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen. Uh, but it's, um. so I, I love George Firth's writing and I love what we have been able to mine as a company. And so all credit to Marion Elliott for casting such an incredible cast. And I am surrounded by, as you see, the best in the business. And it's really wonderful to have such a strong supporting ensemble of all, there's not a single, uh, they don't, they're all principles, to be honest with you. And that's something that George Firth did, I mean, across the board. And it's really wonderful to play opposite Christopher Sieber every night. I couldn't do it without (laughs) him. And every clown, everyone in, in comedy who's charged with being the clown in the scene can't do it without their straight man. And Christopher's equally as funny, but he is charged with a different style, I'd say, of comedy. And he, a lot mm-hmm. of his a lot of his job in the show is to set me up to be buffoon, a buffoon and to mm-hmm. set me up to do this physical comedy, which is so important. And uh, if he didn't time it up for me, I wouldn't be able to land it for all of you. So I'm eternally grateful for Christopher for being so generous with me. And just passing me the ball like that. We always, you know, like he's the abbot to my Costello. I really believe that Um, because in this pairing, that's, that's who we are. And I have had to be his job in other shows. And so it's really important that you have that. And we have a shorthand because we've known each other for 30 years. Oh, wow. Uh Well, because you were in Shrek together too, but that wasn't. We were in Shrek together, but we've known each other almost 30 years. We've known each other since 1994. We've done a bunch of readings together. You know, and so we we do go way back. Oh, that's um, so and amazing. it's not just me. You've got Christopher Fitzgerald, of course, who's a clown and I mean literally a clown, <laughs> <laughs> and as well as being a, an incredible actor. And he's just one of many. But you know, we we've got so many fabulous people. Yes, it makes it easy. The recipe you know? is right with this production. Mm-hmm. I I lo- I think Company has become my favorite Sondheim piece, and I saw yeah. it twice with Connor once before and then once after reopening and it continues to get better. I love everything about it. That's something I didn't comment on that fact that it has gotten better. Mm -hmm. Claiborne elder has said that in interviews. Uh, We've all, we've all remarked on that. One is because we've had more time to marinate with it all, but I think the pandemic also put into perspective what's really important and people just got out of their own way and let themselves get a little deeper and darker. And if you're anything like me, I truly believe the best comedy is rooted in pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you can find pathos almost everywhere. And I think everyone is 
really doing their best work. Definitely. Well, I think that everyone should see it if they have not yet. I mean, it's literally sold out multiple times a week. Like every time I see those posts on social media, like this performance is sold out. I just, it fills my heart with joy because it is such a gorgeous revival and it's like my favorite thing I've seen on Broadway in a long time. So everyone's got to check it out. Thank you. I couldn't agree more. It's really an honor to be a part of something so darn good. And right before company, you were in Mean Girls, right? Did you go Mean Girls to company? Yes. I actually was in Mean Girls, which was one of the greatest jobs of my life. I loved every second of it. I would have been happy staying there for a decade. (laughs) Uh, But I um, tell you, it was August of 2019. I'd been in the show just shy of a year at that point by one month. And uh, I got an audition for this. And I had heard of this show and gender swapped, but I, I kind of thought the gender swapped was throughout. So I didn't think, I didn't really know there was a role mm-hmm. for me in the show, but I knew this creative team because I had seen War Horse on a date night that my husband and I went on and I was blown away. And I thought, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? I get to audition for this team. I, I get to meet them. Well, yeah, I'm going in. And I didn't think I was going to get it at all. It's sort of like what I told you before, CV. I thought, oh, oh they're too <laughs> fancy for me. They're, too, they're, <laughs> they're really something. I'm just Drew Barrymore's would-be understudy. You know, like, who the hell am I? Uh, so anyway, so, so I went. So, But what that did was it freed me up to do exactly what I saw as the character, which I guess is a, another lesson to people. It's like, just do your thing. Do your vision. And they'll either want it or they won't and blow me over, but they wanted what I brought to it. So they, um, they asked me to do it. <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah. And then did you leave Mean Girls? Were you yes. doing it like a double duty thing for a while? Okay. Or? So I had re-signed my contract at Mean Girls, but it was only up till it was going to expire the following March. Okay. At that point I was able to, you know, get out for other things. I had an out, I guess. And I think my last show was that December 2019. So I gave myself four weeks prior to rehearsal starting because the first rehearsal in the before times for company was January 6th, 2020. So uh, my last show at Mean Girls was December 8th-ish. So I gave myself a month. And then, as you know, we started. And then Mean Girls had three more months without me prior to the shutdown. But they're fine. Unfortunately, that show did close. But the tour still continues is a yes. big is a big fat hit and frankly they're ramping up and putting all their energy into uh, right. a movie musical <laughs> that's right uh, of the show which is phenomenal so nobody cry they're fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and that's so exciting i'm going i can't wait to see that but yeah so i was with company january to march and then we all know something happened mm-hmm. and now we're back connor and i love mean girls the musical it is mm-hmm. the the recipe is also right there it is so good mm-hmm. I can only imagine how hysterical you were in those different roles. Was that a challenge to balance switching different characters throughout the night? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to be so honest. Well, you do have experience with that. Yeah, that's actually how I got started. My first show in New York City was Forbidden Broadway. That's what moved me here. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we keep talking about I Love Your Perfect Now Change, where I mm-hmm. played maybe 12 characters. So that's really my training ground. That's my bread and butter, sketch comedy, many different characters. That's what I do. So Mean Girls felt like putting on a wonderful, comfy pair of sweatpants, you know, that's truly my wheelhouse. So, and for the longest time before I 
got lucky enough, and let me emphasize the word lucky because there's so many talented people out there, but lucky enough to get these singular roles. Th- that was a dream. Like, I really just want one role. I just really want to sing my one part. So having satiated that, it was really nice to kind of go home and do mm-hmm. what I do. And I had done readings of Mean Girls. I think I did one June of 2016. And then I got Hello, Dolly two months later mm-hmm. in August of 2016. And we started in January of 2017. So uh, they very likely would have used my dear friend and incredibly talented Carrie, Carrie Butler anyway, but mm-hmm. I, it wasn't even an opportunity to even go for it. So the fact that Carrie got Beetlejuice was so fortuitous for me, I'm sure. And wonderful for her, you know, she, here she is bouncing from show to show, brah, brah. I know. Um, but I got to kind of go back to it, which was really a gift because uh, I always wanted to do it because I had been a part of the family for a little bit. So, yay. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Hello Dolly, another mm-hmm just absolutely unreal performance. I mean, that you made a feast literally out of that Ernestina role. Oh, thank you. Well, David Hyde Pierce is the most wonderful man. And when people ask me, who do you most want to aspire to be like? It's him because he's just the (laughs) best person to have on stage and off. He was also my late mother's favorite actor. So Mm. getting the opportunity to work with him was really wonderful for my soul. Like I mentioned before with Mr. Sieber, again, I was the clown. I was the Costello in that scene. So I was so dependent on David being equally funny, mind you. That's what people don't really realize about the straight men. It's not that they're not funny. It's just a completely different energy. So mm-hmm. he, what we, what we, I'm laughing, thinking about it, what we created and him just saying, no, no, no <laughs> oh God, no. When I'm doing the hoochie coochie dance, mm-hmm. his, his understating that and undercutting it was what made it funny because yes what i was doing was was funny but if he hadn't if he hadn't been so subtle it wouldn't have worked as well it's so important for the straight man and the clown to work together because when they do it's magic mm. and when they don't you're vying on stage and then that's not good for anybody the farmer and the cowman should be friends as oklahoma once said yes said. are you <laughs> the saying i'm a cow and <laughs> Did you all hear Dylan just called me a cow, you guys? I'm so shocked that Dylan came out with an Oklahoma <laughs> lyric. Dylan, I could see it coming <sighs> out of you. Like, you're just like, this is right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably cut it out. But anyways. No, it's, no, um, it's perfect. It's staying in, it's staying in. <laughs> I love that. And and I think what's important, too, is you, it, the, each performance then elevates the other one when there's that great yes. dynamic. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to be funny. <laughs> yes, is that exactly. just that just throw the ball. I love sports references too. And uh we always we always say like pass the ball. Like you can't I'm gonna dunk the basket, but you've got to throw me the ball. And mm-hmm. you know, you have to be willing to give the assist. You have to. You are into sports well, references. You told me I sound like a 1970s Monday night sportscaster. Or was it was it 70s? Or mm-hmm. did I jump too soon? I said 70s. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the 70s. It could be but like a Monday night football. Mm-hmm. Because you were saying before we started recording that people say you sound like Seth Rudetsky. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've known him since I was 22 years old. So give me an amazing and I'll let you know. <laughs> Go ahead. Give me, give me an amazing. Amazing. Nope. I know. Nope. Yeah, it's missing. He's, it's he's, missing he's, like the elevation. The, yep. The higher timbre. Yeah. That's okay. You want to be your own person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm paving my own way. I really. That's yeah. right. Wait. So I need, I need <laughs> to ask about. Mm. The day you got nominated for a Tony Award for a disaster, mm. what mm-hmm. was that entire experience like? Okay, p- part one is, what was that entire disaster mm-hmm. experience like? And then part two is, 
What were you thinking when you got nominated for this Tony? Okay, part one, Disaster was a wonderful experience, in part because it was created and written by some of my oldest friends, Seth Rudetsky and Jack Plotnick. And so here I am as the nun, and I was hoping they'd see it for me. So I think it worked out well all the way around. And uh, it was absolutely my um, privilege and honor. You know, I was raised Catholic too, so it just seemed like the right fit. In addition to the fact that a lot of my character actress friends talk about stock characters that are really there for the taking and none is one of them. And I really am a character actress through and through. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not, you're not going to mistake me for anything else. And so there's none there. If there's a nun, a maid or a sex worker, <laughs> I'm your gal, you know, but you know, from yeah. a theatrical point of view, like the, the yeah. whores from Les Mis, like, you know, there's just certain characters. Um, I will say I'm also a leading lady. Yes. Guys, so get on it, get on it, everyone. <laughs> I'm really going off in the weeds with that question, but that's part one. It was great. Part two, I was actually living in Cold Spring, New York at the mm. time. And I didn't know what was going to happen because like many years, the featured categories are just stacked with possibilities of very deserving individuals. So I said to my husband, I said, let's go outside of the house for a couple of reasons. Number one, if this wonderful thing happens, I want to be in a place where we can always come back to and remember what yeah. happened. And I said, and I'd also like to go to a place that means something to me personally, so that so that if this thing that honestly, let's be honest, it's a dream, it would be a dream come true. If it doesn't happen, I'd like to go to a place that I can look at and have family memories and still be happy inside. And so we went to the bandstand down by the water in Cold Spring because it's a permanent structure. And as it turns out, we don't have this house anymore right. that we were living in. So I'm really glad we didn't stay at home. So here we are in this bandstand and we're looking across the Hudson River and West Point and Storm King. And that's important to me as a person because my oldest brother, Tom, was a graduate of West Point. So I have memories of myself at 12 years old, driving with my late mother and my father and my brothers, both of them, Chris and Tom, around Storm King Mountain down to West Point. And I thought, you know, if this doesn't happen, it's okay because that's more important anyway. And if it did happen, it would be even more special. And I'm on that bandstand and I wasn't watching. And then I got a text from my brother, Chris, big caps, yes, with like 10 exclamation <sighs> points. So I, that's how I found out. And I just, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. It burst into tears. And my husband and I just, it was raining and I mm. love the rain. And we just stood there hugging and crying because, um, you know, I wasn't really a kid at that time anymore, too. It was sort of, I was 46 years old. I know, I look amazing. You yeah, I was, I'm shocked uh, by that, <laughs> okay? Uh, but anyway, no, I, um, I'm wiping away tears. Yeah, because I always have it. That's the thing. Like, it's done. It's in the bag. And I didn't win that day. And I knew I wouldn't win. You know, I saw Renee Elise Goldsbury in November of 2015. And I was like, well, there's your winner. Brava. Mm -hmm. And well-deserved. But just to be part of the club was really something, you know, so I'm really Ugh. eternally grateful. That is one of the most beautiful stories ever shared on this podcast. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I'm about to start leaking, but I feel like, especially at 46, to have had this yeah. career, you've been working for years and yeah. for it to finally happen, I imagine it means something so different at that point than it might mean yeah. if you're, you know, fresh to New York. And I mean, of course, it's special no matter what, yeah. but to, to be recognized for a career, that's beautiful. Well, oh, my gosh. 
Thank you. Everyone has their story. One of my part of my story is that I have been reviewed four times in different periodicals calling me Broadway newcomer, off Broadway newcomer. And what I mean by that is what people don't, people forget. And what you don't see in those years are the times where you're right back to the first rung Mm. of the ladder, that you accomplish something and you think, great, now it'll be easier. And then you're right back down to ring number one. And that happens over and over and over again. And uh, there's been a lot of talk, as there should be, during this pandemic recently about understudies and Mm -hmm. ensembles. And I was in the ensemble of Sister Act and the ensemble of Shrek. And in Sister Act, I understudied two women who happened to be featured featured ensemble parts. So they weren't even principals, but I was there at rehearsal every single week because I covered two women who were my contemporaries, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was honored to do it, but it's so hard. And the lack of understanding and respect that ensemble gets and understudies get is 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 truly no joke. And I'm glad it's highlighted. So when part of the tears was just the amount of times like you make a splash and you you do well in front of critics and it's in black and white, and then it's like it never mm-hmm. happened. And you have to prove yourself. It feels like to me over and over and over and over again. And it's just exhausting. Yeah. As lucky as that you are, it's uh, it's a little psychologically challenging to realize that you've put so much out there at the opinion of other right. people. So you have it, it was really a growth experience to learn how to be strong and centered, no matter what people think or say. Oh, absolutely! You are so wise, and there is something that we forgot to do because you were just so captured in your stories. Is we talk about this career like one of these defining moments of getting nominated for a Tony, but we really like to revisit the early days and Mm -hmm. talk about what we call the ring of keys moment. And it's maybe that moment where you realized that you wanted a life in the arts or performing or entertaining. Did you feel like you had that moment sometime early in your life or maybe later? I'm going to say two, two things, if that's all right. Absolutely. Number one, the first time I got bit by the bug, so to speak, or maybe your ring of keys moment, I was five years old at the beautiful Palace Theater in Manchester, New Hampshire, which was this beautiful theater built in 1915, I believe. I was watching a production of Fiddler on the Roof and my family and I always used to sit front row center. They were kind of our seats, you know, in the balcony. And Perfect view. And looking down, yeah, and because you can see too above the proscenium, the comedy and tragedy mask and oh. love that. And, and at the time, the bathrooms were red velvet. And I, I remember feeling like I was walking into a palace, you know, <laughs> and the, literally a palace, not just the palace theater and this marble staircase. It was just beautiful. I saw a little girl my age playing the youngest daughter in fiddler. And I was amazed and pissed off all at the same time. (laughs) And I was tugging my mother's coat and I was like, mama, I want to be, I don't want to be up here. I want to be down there. You know, I just, I, I, I was like, how does, how do I get from here to there? Mm. So that was number one. And number two is you referenced physical comedy and physical comedians earlier. You referenced Lucille Ball, the power of television affected me greatly. And I was just thinking yesterday in my dressing room, I'm probably going to post some photos of some of the women who inspired me. And many of them were just wonderful at physical comedy. So there was a TV show called Laverne and Shirley Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. It aired Tuesday nights on ABC at 8.30 Eastern. And uh, Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams were absolutely brilliant. And so I, I think I realized, you know, watching them, how funny they were. 
Madeline Kahn, the late great Madeline Kahn, blew my mind. And I used to just try to impersonate her as much as I can when I was a kid. All these people I would try to do impressions of, hence Forbidden Broadway mm -hmm. in my future, because I was so inspired. And I think that recognition is something you're like, you, whatever your calling is, sometimes you're called because you feel that in yourself and you see what they're doing and you know that you have that in you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Madeline Kahn, Anne Bancroft, Bernadette Peters, Angela Lansbury. You know, these are all comedians that I was blown away by. And uh, I thought I want to do what they're doing. You know, uh, Barbara Berry, who played Sarah. The first time I saw her, I was 11 years old on an HBO televised production of Barefoot in the Park. She plays the grandmother. I urge the two of you to go to YouTube and go to act two, if nothing else. And right at the top of act two, Richard Thomas carries her in and they flop down on the couch from a night out on the town. She's exhausted. And it was one of the best lessons I ever saw in my life about comedic timing. And this is just for you. You can cut this out. No, but she yeah. says, she's, she says, um, she looks straight out at the audience. She says, I feel like we've died <laughs> and gone to heaven. Only we had to climb up to get there. Or I'm paraphrasing it, but it was something <laughs> like that. And I I remember Best Armstrong, the wonderful Best Armstrong was in it as the ingenue. But even at 11, I didn't want to be the ingenue. I wanted to be Barbara Berry, the grandma. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just that. So I was, those are some of my moments where I just, I just knew I wanted to be a comedian. Oh my God. I love that reference point. What um, was like Barbara Berry's like great role in her career? Well, she had many, but she was the original Sarah in okay. the company in 1970. So okay. she is plastered all over my, my dressing room, but she, you should go watch the movie breaking away. She received an Academy Award nomination for oh, that wow. role and she's absolutely stunning. Oh, amazing. So this is like a great education for me too. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite Madeline Kahn performance? I'm, I'm just curious. Oh, young Frankenstein, of yeah. course. I mean, she was just unbelievable. I also loved her in um, History of the World. I need to see that. I used then. to imitate her. Oh, yes. She, um, go back and watch it. But she, uh, she does this. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it for you. Okay. <laughs> no, never mind. But it's, it's wonderful. We were obsessed with her in Clue. Oh, yes. Flames on the side mm -hmm. of my face. Absolutely. Mrs. Yes. White. Get out of town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Even the way you just said that line, I, you you channeled her a little mm -hmm. bit. Oh, did I? Well, I don't know if you knew it, but I think it's just been ingrained in you. Well, I think it was always there. So mm -hmm. what one does as a child, they like the ring of keys moment. I think Janine mm -hmm. Tesori said, at least little girls need to see it to believe it. They need to see, mm -hmm. they, you know, they see that little girl saw herself in the woman with the ring of keys. Right. And so I saw, if I can flatter myself this way, I saw myself in someone like Madeline Kahn. So that's probably why I was drawn to her, you uh -huh. know? Oh, that's beautiful. Wait, I'm just re realizing, you know, you obviously worked with Janine Tesori on track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She's incredible. Yeah. Was, what was that creative process like? Well, Shrek was a, you know, huge franchise and a, just a beast, right? And so you couldn't have asked for a better creative team to tackle such a big project. And mm -hmm. I can't wait for Kimberly Akimbo to come to Broadway, right? So brava to all of them and uh, David Lindsay Bear. And I can't wait to be in the audience supporting them all. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's great. I mean, I feel as if it's going to be the original musical smash of next season. 
I mean, oh, it's going to be huge, you know, like huge. that's one of those ones where I was like, oh, I wish I were part of it. You know, I just, oh, oh and you probably didn't get to see it because no, it was because playing. of Omicron, but I will, you know, next time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, was Shrek a fully baked product by the time you came to it? Like, was all the music ready? Was it like you all just showed up and it was. Oh, no, no, it was a, it, we did a workshop. A six week workshop in the fall of 2007. Then we did an out of town oh. in Seattle. And there were many songs that didn't end up in the show. For uh, Fiona had a beautiful song where I remember I was one of like her ladies in waiting. Was she's in a, oh, she's in a white gown. And I believe it's, uh, it's called More to the Story, which you can find. It's absolutely gorgeous. But she's like, there's more to the story. And it's just beautiful. But it just, I can't remember the reasons why it didn't fit. It was probably mm -hmm. a pacing thing, but uh, but it, it, there's so many good things that didn't end up because you you don't have right. five <laughs> hours, right? So they made some really good changes for the tour, is what my okay. to my understanding. So you know, it is um, it is a blood sport creating a new Broadway show, and um, it's really difficult, and you have to make some difficult choices and cuts, and you know, you have to, mm -hmm. and you're tired you're you're inevitably exhausted so sometimes you're not always at your emotional finest so it's really a challenge and not just with shrek this is any broadway show so you have to take your vitamins and drink your water and take a nap <laughs> and uh try to be mm -hmm. the person your mom raised you to be you know try to be a good egg cuz uh yeah oh my goodness it's hard. so and many you, nuggets of wisdom i was just going to say you've given us so much but before we say goodbye mm. we always like to end on a dose of drama something to leave our listeners with maybe something you've been thinking about binge watching to recommend rave rant whatever that mm. may be dylan i'm going to throw it to you to start today do you have a dose of drama to share with with our listeners and and us i do i do I heard a rumor on Twitter.com, a very credible source, that Jennifer Samard covers Joanne and company. And I'm just saying, if that ever were to happen, I would be the first in the rush line. That's all. Is this a oh. rumor, aka a true rumor? If that ever happens, mm -hmm. I'll let you know. Very good. Very good. Love, love. Okay, I have a dose of drama. I'm feeling extremely dramatic about something. And this is, you know, hard for me to say, because, you know, I, I have a storied history on this podcast of explaining my complicated relationship with being able to finish a book. And I, I you know, it's at this point in March at the time of release, and I can guarantee you it's taken me over four months to read 50 pages of one book that's only 250 pages. So what book? It's like a, it's a, Oh, it's actually kind of nerdy, but it's like a queer analysis of Montgomery Cliff's career and, you know, how... Are you talking about the book that I got you for <gasps> Christmas? Dylan, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, it's, I'm looking at it right now. I can see the bookmark and it's pathetic how far I've gotten here. So my drama is just that, like, reading is amazing and educational and fun, but for some reason my brain works even less well now than it did during quarantine and... And even before, so mm -hmm. I'm asking for um, everyone to send me good vibes to be able to focus on reading one single book for once in my life. So thank you. All right. <laughs> Jen, are you a reader? Do you read books? Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh, yeah. Connor's not. We're going to come around to you. Do you have a dose of drama to share with us today? 
I do. Anyone who knows me knows that I love movies and television. I, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite pastime. And um, <laughs> so I have, like, it's a round robin. So I could name any number of things to you right now. But I will tell you one I just watched that I do recommend. It's called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, starring Kristen Bell. Right. I will say this. I've read things where people have mixed reviews. I was like, you know what? I get what they were doing. I think it's hilarious. And I will tell you, by episode two, minute nine, I was all in. And I'm just going to tell you okay. a couple of things, like made me throw my head back, laugh out loud. And I'm just going to give you a, a three little hints. Number one, okay. forensic psychologist. Number two, take your daughter to work day. Number three, massacre Mike. And I <laughs> fell out. So, and and if you okay. have a problem with that, dear listeners, I'm really sorry, but I, I have a dark sense of humor and this one got me good. So there you go. It's on my list. I was, I thought at first it was one of those SNL like commercial mm-hmm. parodies that they like make about, because the title alone they play threw me. Straight, straight, straight. It is, but it is a comedy thriller. And you're genuinely interested in the thriller part, by the way. So I, I I recommend it. I thought it was really good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for all sure. of your recommendations today. I mean, you, yeah. you shared so much with us. Jennifer, you are a modern Madeline Kahn, all of these people you've mentioned. And and I guarantee you one day when Kahn and I are old grandpas <laughs> still having this podcast, we're going to have some young comedian who's going to say her ring of keys moment was seeing you in company because it is one of those wow. performances that is just... <laughs> amazing, some might say. Thank you. <laughs> amazing. Was that better? It's amazing. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. You you have been such gentlemen and I've appreciated you and I, I've had a great time. So and now oh, I'm going to go do a matinee. Yes, break a yes, leg. Yes, do your thing. And everyone should follow you for all of those Barbara Berry photos and the comedians that have inspired yes. you. On your Twitter and Instagram, on Twitter, you are Simard Jennifer. And on Instagram, you're the Jennifer Simard, Yes. Yes. You know, we all have that problem, right? Where you go to find your name and someone has it. So you have to be clever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Twitter's at Smart Jennifer. Instagram is the Jennifer Smart, which sounds really arrogant. Sorry, guys. No. But I, had to, you need, I needed well, to get a the in there. <laughs> well, that's why we're the drama podcast on social media, yeah. which everyone should follow us because we're our podcast is not called the drama podcast. It's just called drama. Mm-hmm. But I think because of the social media handles, people call us the drama podcast. So it is what it is. It's fine. It is At least they're calling us something, you know? There you go. Everyone calm down. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. And this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Jen. Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.